0: So I just very clearly got still and then internally was just like, I'm ready. Meet me. that, That was my word. I was just like, I'm ready. Meet me like demanding to the, to the feminine. I'm ready. So come and meet me, which was both a call out, you know, for my partner who I then met a few months later. And crazily enough, like the second I broadcast that message out, Which I will say at that moment in my life was the most masculine, agentic, outward directed energy.
1: Welcome to the month of April and our new format for the podcast. So I just wanted to remind you that this new format involves you. So I am pushing a survey to my big sexy data set. If you are not yet a member, I would love for you to email me at dearmenpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com and just say add me. This month's theme is around owning your power, so I'm going to push a survey, and if you answer it by mid-month, you will be eligible to be on the listener panel at the end of the month. So you'll fill out the survey, you can either choose to remain totally anonymous, or if you check a box, you can say, yes, I would be interested in being on the podcast to talk about this, and I will be inviting people by the third week of April, and then recording the episode to drop on the last week of April. This is going to be the format moving forward, so we'll have a theme of every month. This this month's theme is Owning Your Power, and May will be a different theme, etc., and they will all involve you. So please do get involved. Just email me at DearMenPodcast at gmail.com and say, add me. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Dear Men. Um, I'm really excited about this one because this is one of the first episodes that we're doing with a conscious couple, and I'm... Um, Thrilled to have Jason and Violet here. In addition to being a couple that I look up to, they're also my very dear friends. So thanks for being on the podcast, guys.
2: Woo! Thank you.
1: (laughs) So um, this month's theme is all about owning your power as a man. And um, Jason, you've kind of been through being single and learning how to own your power, and now being in a relationship and then married, and now having a baby. So you really, um, gone through a whole transformation there of your, in your life. And I would love to hear from you and then Violet, you can jump in anytime about, um, your journey, especially like maybe if you could briefly talk about your journey, owning your powers as a single man, and then what that was like moving into relationship. And then I have follow-ups.
0: Sure. Um, so, as a single man, you know, initially, particularly for those that have listened to me on this podcast before, uh, when it come to came to dating, I didn't feel like I didn't have any power. You know, I was pretty lost, pretty confused, pretty anxious, pretty nervous. Um, and that started to shift. You know, in my mid to late twenties, when I started doing my work, started doing my inner work, um, and For me in particular, I think a lot of my journey around, you know, owning my power, so to speak, has just been as much of a practice about asking for what I want and identifying what I want and setting boundaries when needed, I would say. And that's been a total journey from, you know, as a single man to in some ways now more than ever with a kid and a wife and a dog um, have to continually practice asking for what I need or learning to set boundaries um, to resource myself. And I think that, you know, for me instrumental in the whole journey of taking my power back as um, I've spoken about before as well, Has just been being around other men, particularly in men's group, and getting to see how they do relationship, and give me feedback on how I'm doing relationship, and starting to get, um, you know, kind of a path to walk through a lot of those interactions I've had, particularly in that work, and, you know, this is all stuff I still work on, like, uh, I think anyone, just because you get into a great relationship doesn't mean there's not still more growth to do. So we're constantly negotiating, you know, power and boundaries and me still having to practice and sometimes her having to evoke, you know, what do you want? What do you need?
1: I'm really glad you spoke to that. I think two things I just want to pull out from what you said. One is Getting into tribe, getting into community, being around other conscious men is part yeah. of how you be able to expand and grow and step into your power. And I'm imagining that part of what that means is, how do I, um, how do I be a conscious man in the world without being a douche? Like, what does that totally. look like to be a good man who has a backbone and can stand for what he wants and is not the toxic masculine? Cause we, there's not that many role models. So I, yeah, that's one thing that I heard really loudly. Um, and then the other was just the sort of like, it's not like, Oh, poof, one day you owned your power and now it's, you know what I mean? Like done, like you're, you're still in the, in the growth part of like how do I identify what I want? Like how do I feel into what I want and need as a man? And then how do I speak, you know, to that? in relationship and kind of the negotiation in relationship.
0: I think that's exactly, it's a, I, and it's, it's a, it's a practice, right. Moment to moment and person to person and situation to situation. So there's some areas in my life that I'm, you know, much more capable of owning my power now and other areas where it's still much more of an edge. And sometimes that changes day to day, you know, whether it's, um, standing up for myself with a client and, you know, um, getting the value that I think I deliver in terms of, an you know, financial exchange or my time or yeah, asking for something I need in intimacy. So it it really is something that I I don't think it's like you just get there and you're done. Um, You know, it's a muscle that you have to continually work out and sometimes it works better in some situations than others. And then, yeah, the other thing I think you clued into that um, has really been a big part of my journey and relates to so much of the work that you and I do with men is that, you know, to really be able to own our power, what that really means at its root before anything else is I have to know what I want. Like I have to know what I want. Like I actually have to be in tune with my body and my heart's desires and what feels good and what doesn't. And, you know, part of my challenge in, in, in my twenties for sure. And then, you know, that I've continued to just as much as I can over time shed layers around, um, was kind of, you know, just the numbness that a lot of us men have about what we're feeling and our inability to identify that particularly in the moment, you know, sometimes it's like a day later, a week later, Oh my God, I totally X, Y, or Z, um, But the practice of actually being able to tap into that and tune into that more in the moment and, you know, know what I'm feeling. And then based on what I'm feeling, I can start to know what I want. And when I know what I want, then I can ask for it. But if I can't do that, um, the whole thing, you know, just kind of collapses even before then.
1: Yeah, and I think this sort of actually speaks to an experience that you've shared. I'm wondering if you would be willing to share around. But just before you met Violet, you um, did a plant medicine journey, and something happened mm. that around what you wanted. Um, can you share that? Because I, to me, that always felt very much like you and your power when you described that story. I was like, oh wow, that was a dude in his power in that moment.
0: Yeah, that's a uh, um, that's actually a great example. I think of. Uh, this important shift that owning that leads to uh, owning our power, so to speak. And that was, you know, before I met Violet, I had been single and on the dating scene for um, 11 or 12 months or so. And I had been very much chasing women, like really, really wanting to, to date and, chasing after women, some of whom um, just weren't interested in me back. And in my old kind of way, you know, I would get overly attached and I'd be putting my attention on, on women who just weren't choosing me, you know, weren't choosing me back. And I was doing some plant medicine that fall and got um, pretty deep into a, a very challenging night And had a pretty intense experience where um, the medicine wasn't working for me. And the the medicine I was doing tends to have kind of a a feminine essence. So they call it grandmother or her. And when it wasn't working, um, I was getting very upset. Like everyone else was going on these amazing journeys. And I was just kind of stuck stone cold sober and really pissed off that I'd spent the money and I was trying so hard to do my work. Um, and then nothing was happening. And so then I started to have this super intense experience, which, you know, that kind of medicine often does where it'll in some ways intensify the experiences you're having out in the world, but just kind of turn up the volume on them in short, powerful ways and so what started happening for me that night was I started getting really whiny. Like, you know, obviously this was an internal journey, but I was like really whining. I was like, it's not, you know, where are you? Uh, which was both a call to the medicine and to the kind of feminine of like, I'm here, I'm doing my work. I've tried so hard and it's working for everyone else and it's not working for me. And I was kind of like, uh, you know, a whiny little fussy, mad baby boy, (laughs) I guess you could say (laughs) it's kind of, kind of where I went that night. Um, But then I had a very, very, very powerful moment, um, which is kind of the gift of the medicine, meaning it can activate, you know, some energies that are kind of intense for us or less conscious for us, but then also help us see them in real time. And so that happened. I was like, wow, I am like, I'm, I'm really whining. I'm like really kind of complaining and whining and just like, like a fussy little boy and was really kind of rooted in this just energy of being a victim. Like, it's not, it's not happening for me. It's not fair, yada, yada, yada. And there was a moment where I caught that and, you know, got very still, very calm, in, in a internal kind of way, and just noticed that, and then that kind of more like whiny, victimy, fussy frustration became kind of a clearer fire, um, anger, and I mean this in the in the best way, like anger in the sense of like demanding wholeness and. So I just very clearly got still and then internally was just like I'm ready, meet me. Now that was my word. I was just like I'm ready, meet me. Like demanding to the to the feminine. I'm ready, so come and meet me. Which was both a call out, you know, for my partner who I then met a few months later. And crazily enough, like the second I broadcast that message out which I will say at that moment in my life was the most masculine, agentic, outward-directed energy I think I've ever um, cohered in one moment. The medicine totally hit within seconds after that while everyone else was finishing their ceremony, and I went on this totally very challenging, very epic journey that night um, that finally came when I kind of like claimed it and called for it. Like, I'm ready and meet me.
1: So you guys can't see this, but I have Jason and Viola on video. And when he said that, she totally glowed. Like she got all like radiant and smiley and it was really cute. So I just had to share like, that is so, yeah, just magnificent. I, every time you tell that story, I love that story. Like, and the simplicity of it and the power, which is not power over or dominating, but it's clear and direct it's exactly what you said of i want this i want this meet me
0: absolutely and in you know in a lot of the language you and i use with guys it's a it's a clear expression of want and it's an invitation right it's like meet me i was telling the universe telling the great feminine telling the divine like meet me i'm ready and you know, for me, part of what I think gelled for me in that moment was finally an embrace, an embracing, and um, even a uh, you know deeper level. I think of self acceptance and like self pride of like I've done a lot of work. I'm ready. Like I'm I'm ready for this. I'm ready to claim it. I'm ready to own it. Uh, I'm a man who is ready for his partner. I've I've like put in the time, and I, I think that's. Such an important step to any kind of um, you know taking your power back or claiming your power is you have to fully claim yourself and acknowledge you know your worth, your goodness, your wholeness in the process.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering, Violet, can you yeah speak a little bit to your experience of Jason when you met in terms of him being in in his power?
2: Absolutely, because I was realizing as he was telling that story that. That was a direct impact to the night that we met. We were having this epic conversation, at least from my perspective, and he had approached me at an event. I hadn't noticed him before during the event, but afterwards he came up and started talking with me and... Uh, there's a backstory to that that I won't get into right now, but we were really connecting and everyone decided after the event to go to a bar next door and have a drink. And so I was assuming that he was going to come have a drink with everyone. And we were going to continue this amazing conversation where I just felt all these sparks flying physically. Yes, but, but really, you know, spiritually and emotionally and mentally and otherwise. And he goes, Oh no, you know, it's like 1115 and I haven't meditated yet today. And I was like, what? You're going to turn down getting a drink with me? I mean, it sounds egotistical, but I was like slightly offended, but I was also very turned on because I had been asking the universe for a man with integrity, you know, someone who had a daily practice, someone who was committed to himself, someone who had, yeah, just that deep line of of uh, truth and steadiness in this life. So when he said it's 11:15 p.m. and I have to go meditate I, that was him saying, no, this is me and my power and this is what's important to me. And it made me like him and want him even more.
1: Oh, you guys, that's really cute. (laughs) Okay. So, um, all right. So now you are dating, right? And, um, and I'm wondering like you, you guys had a lot of friction at the beginning and I feel like there was a lot of, um, uh, I feel like there's a way that both of you were really great at, at holding your own, like staying in your own power and not caving to, you know, what the other person wanted, but also making room for what the other person wanted. Does that make sense? So like, not like I'm going to control you, but like I'm standing for what I want and, I recognize that it's not what you want and I still want to be in connection with you. Can you mm-hmm. guys talk about that a little bit? Cause I think that's very, um, I don't know, revealing of how two people can relate when it's like, we don't have to both want exactly the same thing and we can still stay connected.
0: Yeah. I think it's one of the important skills and things I noticed, you know, early in our relationship that differentiated it for me was, um, our ability to stay connected, even when we had differences, um, to, to hold differences together in, in connection. And so, yeah, you know, one of our first pieces of friction was, was a pacing thing. It was really about, you know, where we were going and how fast we were going there. (laughs) Um, and you know, like any good feminine partner who, who knew what she wanted, she, she was ready to go kind of pedal to the metal. And I had been in another, um, long-term relationship, but just out of that, about a year. And, you know, I was a little more hesitant. I was a little more wanting to kind of slow things down and uh, not sure I wanted to dive right back into something yet. And she, well,
2: I I was like, merge with me, merge with me, merge with me.
0: (laughs) And so there was, you know, I kind of had to stand in what I was available for um, early on and kind of communicate that. And this was like quite early on. This was our uh, second, our yeah. second date which was kind of our epic date as we call it where we got uh raw and real very fast um using some of the you know connection games and just modalities that she and I had both learned in our own independent growth paths about you know we knew there was a real connection we were both in our mid 30s so you know we knew ourselves pretty well so mm-hmm. i think part of the magic was recognizing um recognizing that the other person had something we knew we wanted like in a partner and that that was real and that connection was real. And then there was just some actual pacing issues up front about, you know, what I was available for and what she was available for that we had to have some pretty challenging conversations about. And that felt like they didn't have any, there was going to be no way to resolve them. I think that was the the first like thing of like, well, I want this you know here's what i'm available for for me i'm like not ready to dive into something right right away yet i think i still want to date other people and she was more like what are you fucking talking about let's do this let's get married and have babies
2: well it wasn't quite i think like that i mean part of it was that if you're okay with me saying it you know i had just gone on a date before the date with jason not that same day but like a few days prior with someone who was polyamorous and the night before that date had actually slept with one of my friends and was just like casually telling me about it. I was like, what? It was kind of traumatic. So one of the questions I asked Jason on our second date was, you know, how do you feel about polyamory? And he was like, yeah, I can see myself doing that at some point. Like he didn't have a lot of charge around it, but I came in having a lot of charge around it. So, you know, I was really worried about getting my heart involved with someone that maybe wanted something that felt very different structurally than what I felt safe with and what I wanted. And so there was the pacing that I wanted to be exclusive much, much sooner. And then there was also this kind of um, structural view of relationship that we had some different viewpoints on. So we both really had to stay in our power with what we wanted but i think one thing i'm proud of is that we both focused on what we wanted instead of focusing on like something wrong with the other person or trying to attack i never felt attacked hopefully jason didn't feel attacked um and even that epic date night you know both of us made the choice to stay in connection which i think was giving each other power. Like we could have both been like, well, I'm in my power and this isn't working for me. So bye. But we were like, okay, well, can we both be in our power and give power to each other too by giving each other our vulnerability or whatever else was going on. And it was, yeah, it was kind of intense because the first, maybe two hours of the date, we had just such a strong connection. And then this polyamory thing came up and I felt my body shutting down. And instead of just saying, I'm going home, I was like, well, I'm just going to do something that I've learned to do, which is voice how I'm feeling, which later to come to find out is just kind of noticing an authentic relating terminology. So I was just sharing all the feelings as they came up, you know, embarrassment, fear, shame, overwhelmment, excitement. And we were holding hands in his truck as and he was driving as as I was saying this. And and then later in the night, he was like, I don't want you to go and I want you to stay. And I think I said like, yeah, as long as there's no, you know, nothing really sexual or physical so we literally just held each other all night without like a single kiss we just like spooned and and i think i laid on top of him and and uh there's another layer to the story where maybe jason couldn't explain where he asked that he wanted to like he's like i want to stay in the bed with you do you remember that
0: oh i think i may have even shared this on the podcast before but very specifically that night and i would say this is this is a, a mark point in terms of kind of my previous more nice guy tendencies. And I would say kind of being out of my power and more just kind of directly um, asking for what I wanted. And that was, you know, she was living pretty far away at the time, like an hour away. And we had this big epic date. We were up super late. And, you know, we are both a little emotionally frayed, I would say at the end of the night. And I was like, okay, it doesn't feel good to have you drive home. You know, I think, you know, I would love for you to stay the night. You can stay here. And I immediately went into the previous routine of, um, right. I want to make you, I want her to feel safe. Don't want her to feel threatened. So I'll sleep downstairs in the couch. You can sleep on my bed. And then, so I'm literally about to get ready to do that. And then, Hey, turns out i had been doing some work had been (laughs) meditating and working out and um, doing physical practice to get in my body i caught it and i caught myself where i was like no actually you know i want to stay with her i want to stay with her in the bed like i want physical contact between us tonight um not sexual but like physical just contact because we had opened up a lot and i could tell i wanted to be regulated and like emotionally and nervous system wise. And I imagine she might too, like it might feel good for us to um, kind of soothe each other in that way. So before I walked out of the room, you know, I just kind of, I stopped and I kind of interrupted and I was like, you know, actually I want to stay in the, <laughs> I want to stay up here with you in the bed. Like we don't have to have sex. We don't have to do anything. We just, just lie together. In fact, I think I said like, I we shouldn't have sex or anything. Um, and that was a really important moment because, uh, you know, I can definitely feel a different version of that where I would have gone downstairs and slept on the couch and she would have stayed upstairs and it would have actually created a lot of distance to us Mm and between us in a very emotional kind of vulnerable place where we were both pretty raw. And the next morning there kind of would have, you know, I I just don't know how that would have gone. Mm -hmm. And then, um, particularly after that morning where things would have gone from there. But, you know, that was, I think, one of those strong instances we first got to experience of a couple. And the beauty of when couplehood is working well is we can can have differences of perspective or opinion or of wants and not be in total agreement and maybe both be stressed out in our own ways and use the connection to kind of resource ourselves and come together.
2: Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to trust Jason because he really meant that boundary. Like we, I had my clothes on the whole time. We did not even peck. like it was nothing, you know? So I got to trust that he would be clean with when he said he wanted something and he said these were his boundaries around it, that that's really, truly what he was going to show up as. There was nothing unclean of, like or uh, fuzzy about it.
1: Yeah. And he led. Mm-hmm. Like you really, like when I hear that story, what I hear is you, like you said, I thought it was interesting. You said out of my power, out of my body. And I thought that was really uh, compelling as a statement. Like when a man is in his power, he's in his body. <laughs> and totally. um, you listened to that. You listen to it. You're like, my body wants to stay here. I want to stay here with you tonight. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. This is what I think should happen. How do you feel about that? You know, you led and that, you know. Leading, like when the masculine leads, I think it generates polarity, and that doesn't necessarily need to be sexual polarity, but you know what you just pointed to, Violet, was that you got to trust him, you got to trust his lead, which you can't trust a man's lead unless he's leading
0: yeah, exactly
1: <laughs> he's got a lead for you to trust his lead, and um, yeah, so okay, so now you're dating, you've got some friction, you kind of move past the friction into monogamy. Um, Can you touch on that briefly, Jason, in terms of your, like the turning point there and then what it was like, you know, at Burning Man?
0: Yeah. um, I mean, I think we officially, you know, became a couple by March, Mm -hmm. um, maybe three, four months after we met with a kind of a month gap because of uh, Christmas holidays and whatnot. But um, I think what really started to shift that was, you know, our connection just kept deepening for one. Um, the more, you know, I got to know her and, you know, in a lot of ways got to see her in her power of, you know, being a woman who had interests and loves and her own growth and practices and, was a teacher, um, just made it feel more and more special for one, and in an awareness and acknowledgement of that, and then, you know, one thing I can say is that part of I think what started to shift, and this is, you know, more of the kind of feminine side of practice, but like she said, it was challenging at, at first. Before we moved into that um, official monogamy and. We did, I think, work pretty hard to not make each other's feelings wrong. That, you know, she didn't necessarily like where I was coming from. And I certainly didn't like that it was hurting her. And But I didn't really try to convince her that you need to feel otherwise. Um, But she just kept revealing, you know, revealing her feelings. Very, very much the whole time about, you know. Uh, how vulnerable it was to to keep opening her heart to me like that and not know where it was really going, which was a deep, deep level of trust. And, you know, a woman, the feminine opening and trusting the masculine is a pretty powerful way to get into our hearts. You know, um, it's a two way street, like we lead, but then there's a huge amount of vulnerability on your side to open and follow even when you don't necessarily know where it's going. And the willingness to do that, you know, just deepened my attraction even more. So, yeah, we quickly, well, not quickly, but, you know, four months, started uh, officially dating. And then over those, let's see, I think our next kind of two big things were going to festivals together. So we first, we went to one out here in LA called, or in California called Lightning in a Bottle. And that was another example of me, um, kind of inviting her on an adventure that she initially was actually a little resistant to. Um, but you know, I was like, I want this and I want to take you. I want us to go together. I, I remember, remember saying that. Um, and I think that was it before I had asked her that before we were officially dating. So that mm-hmm. felt pretty vulnerable for her. Um, but on that, you know, amazing weekend, uh, I was totally in my power because I had been to the festival before I knew what I wanted. I knew where, you know, the things I like to do, um, those types of experiences, which we then kind of tripled down on by going to Burning Man together, (laughs) um, five months later, maybe, I think also have a pretty strong level of polarity in, in them, depending on, um, you know, the context in which you're going. But again, it was another thing where I had gone before. And so I kind of did all the logistics you know, uh, here's what we need: the gear, how how we're going to get there, how we're going to pack the car, the what I'm going to build. We're going to this camp full of my community and friends, and you know, she just got to again take a in in both festivals. Trust me and come along. But I was totally in my power because these were things I loved doing. I just loved going to these festivals. I had so much fun there. I knew what I liked doing there. Um, I was with friends I already had community with. And I think just that itself was probably, you know, a pretty high example of me just being in the power in the sense that I was also, I was just in my passion, right. I was like in the things I love doing, which I'd be curious to hear if that's how it landed for her. But I, I imagine for, you know, that, that there's often a correlation that a man who's like, deeply entrenched in something he's passionate about is partially experienced. It's kind of like being in his power. Does that land for you?
2: Yes, definitely. Because I feel like if it's a false sense of power, like a societal power, like status or job or something, but the person doesn't like it, it's my body registers. It as ugh, disgusting. Like it's not trustable. It's just power for power's sake versus the power because you're passionate about it. I think someone who's passionate about what they're, up to is so sexy. And I definitely felt that when we were there both times, I felt his leadership. I felt his power. And I also felt his like fun. You know, I think sometimes my, my assumption is that sometimes men it's hard for them to let down the the burden that they carry and just have fun. And we had so much fun together. And um, I felt adored and really taken care of.
1: Oh. And then this was, this was Burning Man number one. Is that right? Or wait, was this when it happened? This is
0: where we got engaged.
1: Okay. Yeah. Can you um, touch on that?
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, like I shared with Medicine Journey, Burning Man, I think is a medicine journey in the sense that um, the experience of going there in itself will often you know, be a hologram for whatever's happening in your life and intensify things to an extent. And so, you know, we had a wild, intense um, journey where we were driving in and, you know, she carried some wounding in her heart about how we met and the fact that I wasn't ready to dive into monogamy right yet. And that kind of resurfaced as we were entering entering Burning Man. And it was intense because, oh my God, we j- it was like literally, you know, like you've just swallowed the red pill and you're like, I don't know when I'm going to come back. We're crossing in. We're supposed to be there for seven days. And she's basically like, I want to get the fuck out of here. Let me out of the car.
2: Well, <laughs> um, I, I was might like, ah! about that.
0: <laughs> um, We gotta, we gotta navigate this. But so, you know, it started with kind of that again, like just some, some wounding coming up on both of our sides, um, some disagreements, some not, ne- not necessarily safety. And Yet, over the course of the week, we just kept dialoguing and talking and revealing what we were each feeling, what was going on. And through it all, you know, she continued to trust me and came on the journey with me. She, uh, you know, allowed me to guide her through the experience of Burning Man and with my friends. And the more she kind of started to open We were hanging out one night and in a small group with some friends and just had a very clear distillation of like, what else am I looking for? it It was honestly like, what, like, like this download of, you know, I think, I think when we're dating, oftentimes, you know, we can hold on to this, like, oh, there might be someone or something better. We like have these lists. We may, it's just kind of this weird thing. And I think this was the first time I like really felt into like, well, there's nothing else in my list. Like, what what else would I be looking for? Like, why wouldn't I um, commit? And then it just became so, so, so clear. Like, oh, yeah, I'm not looking for anything else. And though I had no expectation of getting engaged going into that event, I thought we were just going to have fun at Burning Man. And, you know, our relationship would continue to unfold over the next year or two. It just became so clear, like, oh, wow, she trusts me. We're able to navigate conflict. And, like, she has all the things I'm looking for. There's, there's nothing else I'm looking for. And so it just became a super quick download for me. And, you know, within 30 seconds, I think, of <laughs> having this kind of crazy, like, no, you can't do that. Like, you got to do Like, this whole dialogue that happened. And then I was like, oh, no, okay, I'm just going to ask her. And so I asked her to marry me. Violet,
2: what was your experience of that? That proposal? Yeah,
1: and the the navigation of that, you know, going in.
2: Yes. So I feel like for better or worse, as women, we have this sixth sense where if something is about to happen, we can kind of sense it before it happens. That's my experience with most women that we have a bit of a premonition. And as we were kind of about to cross into the gates into this uh, amazing experience, I asked him a question about a mutual friend of ours. And I was like, oh, why did they get divorced? And um, it was something to do with their relationship had been closed and then open. And then one of them didn't want an open relationship anymore. So it's kind of back to this poly thing. And so the reason I felt triggered is because Jason had never really taken polyamory off the table. He had, we had become monogamous dating, but he had always said, well, you know, at some point in our relationship, if we need to open it, if that's the best thing for the relationship, then I'm going to advocate for that. And I, that, that just really freaked me out. I was like, so you're saying we could be married 10 years and then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, it's time for us to be poly. Like that just didn't feel good to me. And so I felt really triggered and really afraid of giving my heart to someone and then being betrayed. And it, it just exacerbated by the fact that, ironically, the place we camped that that year, um, most of the people in our immediate camp were actually in open relationships. And I don't think Jason knew that, or even if he did, I don't think he thought it was going to be an issue. But it was like everything was in my face that, you know, here are a lot of his good friends who are in an open relationship. So I had a story. I had an assumption, oh, if his friends are like that, then clearly that's what he is going to want. And that's what he's going to lead us to. And I just remember being heartbroken for a few days and feeling very triggered. And I don't even know why. I mean, I, I, I can't even, I can't remember now why it cut me so deeply, but I can feel those feelings. And then at one point we were, I think it was Tuesday of Burning Man. I think this happened on Sunday and it was either Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday that I was just crying most of the day and uh, afraid of going deeper with him only to, you know, have my heart get broken. And he or I said, you know, let's go to this dance workshop. So we just went to this dance workshop and I just cried through the whole thing. I just kept crying and that released something. And and he held me afterwards and held me that night. And it's often my heart enough to be able to just be more present during Burning Man and then we had some pretty amazing experiences later in the week. So in my mind, I was still like, hey, I don't know if this is my person. I don't know how I'm going to feel when we get out of Burning Man, but I want this to be a really amazing experience because I love him and we can navigate through these things. But wow, I'm feeling really raw. But then by the time he asked me to marry him, you know, we had both really chosen each other again and again, and we just kept choosing each other, choosing to connect, choosing to stay present without abandoning ourselves and our emotions and our desires. and. Um, Jason wanted someone who could love him through any of his desires, including the desire for an open relationship. And I wanted to be someone who, with someone who loved me so much that they would maybe forego some desires that would be hurtful to me. And we found just this middle ground, which is that we didn't know what was going to happen. We can't live into the future. And, and that was a huge like surrendering for me to recognize that, that, doomsday scenario may never come. And if it did come and it wasn't aligned with me, he wouldn't do it because he was only going to do that if it was for the best of our relationship. So I really had to trust that his desire would include my desire. And that was super edgy, but we got there. And then when he asked me, I was so not expecting it, not whatsoever. And it was all the more magical probably because of that. You know, We just had this amazing experience and my heart exploded with joy. and And I just remember saying, what? I was so surprised. What? And then, yes, 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 of course, yes. And we just had so much fun. And yeah, i just so grateful that he was so in touch with his clarity and his commitment to following his clarity, because I can't believe how quickly he asked once he had that download, which really gave me even more trust in him.
1: Yeah, what I really like about that story is the um staying sovereign in ourselves and also including the other person like that to me Mm -hmm. is that's the goal (laughs) right that's the game is it's an and it's not I give up myself and just do what you want and it's not you have to do everything I want I control you but it's like I'm over here I've got my sovereignty and I'm including you like we're in this together and we'll we'll figure it out we'll navigate it because I think that word navigate is a great uh, verb here when we don't know exactly where we're going. We don't know how yep. the twists of the river are going to go and I'm still sovereign and I'm still with you and I'm still sovereign and I'm still with you. Like, and it, and it unfolds because I think we're often trying to control things so that we don't get hurt. Um, yep. yeah, I hear that a lot from conscious couples of like, we didn't know how it was going to go. We didn't know this was going to happen. We we didn't, you know, we weren't following the white picket fence line of this and then this and then this and then this. this. It was like, we have some friction and we're still here. We're still here. We're still here. I'm still here with you. And I'm still here with myself. I'm still here with myself. I'm still here with myself. Because I think, yeah, so many of us just were taught to give up our power when we were kids. And so a lot of like becoming a conscious adult is about reclaiming that.
2: And I totally agree with you. And also not projecting our childhood fears onto our partner. Cause I had a fear of being manipulated or hurt or like betrayed. And I think Jason had a fear of being trapped in a loveless, not trapped, but, you know, being in a marriage that didn't have love and didn't have connection. And he would be willing to do anything, including change the structure of the relationship in order to have love and connection, which the motivation behind that, I can really, respect and admire, even if the structure wasn't something that I was excited about.
1: That's well said. Anything you want to add there, Jason?
0: Um, Just that, yeah. I mean, you know, even in part of that week, like I said, how that kind of thing mirrors the outside, I think part of what helped us get there later in the week is we did take space. Mm -hmm. Like on, on Tuesday, I went out with my men. And she went out with some of her, her girls and that itself is a type of trust, right. And, and me going to be like resource myself in my power again, kind of drop in with my guys, get clarity and for her to be with her women. And that's something that has deeply served both of us continuously of, you know, I'm, I'm with men every Monday night and I make time for that. And, um, that is a demand on our relationship, you know, particularly with a kid now for me to go off and be with men. That's, you know, that's me claiming and owning something that totally impacts Violet and how we spend our time and resources and capacity. But I know that's something I need to be able to show up fully in our relationship. Like I just, I would not make it without that time, like kind of going off, getting grounded with my guys, getting feedback. And so the ability to do that, I think, has been one of our strengths as well. Of um, And, you know, I've, I've been a pretty big proponent of that from the beginning. And just whenever I can encourage you, like, like you know, it kind of sounds ridiculous when I say it, but, like, I want you to go be with your girlfriends and, like, bitch and moan about me. Like, I actually want that. Like, you know, not in, like, a tearing each other down way, but, like, I think there's something to that where we, um, we can both be resourced. With trusted networks outside of each other that actually support our relationship, in in doing that, and that, that's a you know something I've been um, just very adamant about for my own well being and and for hers because I think you know there's there's ways you and her other girlfriends can just give her a type of energy that I don't like. It's just.
2: Especially when you when I feel like I've talked it to death with my partner, I feel like we get to a point where we've expressed ourselves, and there's still difference, and there's still charge. So I'm not a huge fan of going off and talking to other people behind your partner's back when it's something you've never talked about with your partner. Like I have this massive resentment, but I haven't told my partner, but if you've told your partner, Hey, I'm, I'm feeling bothered by this thing. I'm feeling triggered by this thing. And you've tried to work through it and you're at a stalemate, then yeah, absolutely. Go to a pleasure practice, connect with your girlfriends, go, you know, do something to get a new perspective and to get some new energy. And, as as Jason was talking, I remembered part of what made the engagement really magical is that we were surrounded by a bunch of his uh, friends from his men's group. And they each shared a reflection after we got engaged, which was a really cool, like impromptu, authentic relating moment. But one of them said, you know, I saw you, you know, propose to this woman, and I'm going to hold you accountable to that. Like, I'm going to make sure that you show up as the as your best self for this woman. And I thought that was so sexy that he had these strong men who were not only good resources for him, but men who were going to uphold him, make him uphold his integrity.
1: Yeah. I keep getting this image of like e- the ecology of a relationship, like that both people yes. sit within a structure and that they both have, like they live in a garden and there's other plants in the garden. And I think that the model in our culture for so long has been you know, you're a rose and you meet a plant and you go off in this separate little house and you are and you shrivel up, you shrivel up. Like, oh, that's all you have. You don't, you're not, you're missing the rest of the garden. And it really does take that community to keep to keep one in one's sovereignty. You know, I mean, I really feel like I've lost myself in relationships and it's been my friends, my girlfriends who brought me back to life because they remember who I am when I've kind of lost my way. Um, and the goal yeah. is like to not, lose our way, right? To be in a healthful ecology where we we maintain ourselves and our sovereignty as we're having the relationship.
2: Yes. And I think my tendency is to maybe be a bit harsh. And so my girlfriends wake me up to softening my heart and not having my guard up and seeing a bigger picture and recognizing that Jason is a really good man. You know, I and I sometimes punish him for past experiences, which is really not fair to him.
1: Yeah, and you're, I'm sure you're not alone. That's a feminine <laughs> word, right?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> something we all like to do <laughs> when we're not being totally conscious. Um, so okay, so let's fast forward now because um, I want to make sure to get to this part of the story because I think it's really important. So you go through the honeymoon phase, and that's that's great. Lots of you know hot sex and deep longing looks into each other's eyes and gazing over pasta yada yada and then what happens because so there's um again there's friction and i feel like um it's easy you know like i've been watching a lot of disney movies lately because of quarantine (laughs) and my housemates and i like to watch disney and so it strikes me again and again and again how all of the disney movies about couples end with the wedding and there's nothing, oh, totally.
0: there's
1: nothing after that. Like, it's just like, oh, and then just everything's fine. And it's like, but that's not really true. Like, that's not how life works. So I'm wondering if you guys can speak a little bit to particularly you, Jason, around, um, you know, being in your power. Like, what happened after the honeymoon phase? And, you know, how did you, like, navigate that?
0: Yeah, I would say this ties into, you know, another piece that I think weaves in and out of our story and particularly related to me being in my power and not And that, um, unironically or unsurprisingly that for those that, you know, know what we're up to, uh, has a lot to do with when I was on purpose and when I wasn't. So meaning like how in alignment was I with doing work and really showing up in the world in a way that was meaningful to me. And so when we met, I was very on purpose in a a lot of ways. Um, I had, you know, one of the big shifts, I would say, that happened just before I was meeting her, maybe a year or two before I was meeting her, was I started leading shit. So I started, you know, instead of just kind of... going to other people's stuff, I got involved in the communities I was most interested in and I started leading them. So I actually started, you know, helping to co-create them and being the one at the front of the room, so to speak. And that's on purpose for me. Like that feels good to me. I'm in my power when I do that. Like I feel very on and I get good feedback and people tend to, you know, experience me in, in ways they enjoy um, when I actually do that. And so I was doing that when I met her and I was making a documentary when I met her, I had just um, written and directed and sold a short film. And so I was like kind of on fire in in a lot of ways when I met her. And so I was very in my power. I actually think like, here's where I'm going. This is the kind of stuff I do and I love. Um, And so that was, you know, in addition to the initial kind of just, hit of polarity and intoxication from a new relationship. I think I had that going for me at the time. And then I kind of lost my way a little bit. Um, You know, we got married and then shift, you know, moved into the same place with each other, which is a huge relationship shift, um, which kind of takes it away from just sexy dating time to like, Oh, now there's a lot of unsexy time with each other, right. Where you have to like, do work and take care of yourself and just be a human. Um, so that stuff started to hit. And then I got a little fuzzy around um, my purpose again and kind of just fell into some panic around finances and doing the work that least engaged me, but was the most stable. And so all that happens as after we get married and then we're moving to the same house and so we're spending a lot more time with each other and then unsurprisingly totally like all of my kind of internalized behaviors of my nervous system from how i was raised and how uh, i've learned to move through the world started to come out and so you know we had a lot of friction um you know definitely connected but we had a lot of friction i don't know that first 18 months or so after we were married and um Times of being, you know, physically disconnected, times of being emotionally disconnected, times of getting in fights. Um, I will say, you know, I'm an Enneagram 9, so I'm not much of a fighter, but we've had more fights than I've ever had in any other relationship. And I actually think that's a good thing. Like, we're able, like I said, to kind of have that um, fire, but stay connected. And so we were having fights, and I had never had fights before of like, you know, yelling over the phone or one of us storming out and then having to come back. And it was, it was, it was pretty intense. But what I'll say is, you know, in that time I kept going to men's group, we realized, yeah, this is an ecology. I think that's a great, great word you put in. So we got some help, you know, we got a, I went, went to one of my men's groups and I asked like, Hey, does anyone know a good person that we could work with? Like, you know, we're doing our best, but, uh, of course we, we want to do, we want to have the best available to our relationship. So that involves bringing in, you know, a neutral third party, so to speak. And so we found a great couples therapist who helped us, um, you know, identify and name things in our relationship and patterns that I wasn't seeing about myself and start to own, you know, the ways I was, I did often kind of withdraw into my head and emotionally disconnect and whatnot, um, and yeah, I guess laced through all this too, you know, was the wedding itself and planning for that, which was incredibly, um, somewhat easy and stressful at the same time. And, you know, I had to definitely hold my power around. I've had a very, yeah, I've had a lot of men in my life. Let's just put it that way. So there were a lot of men I wanted to invite. Um, and we had to kind of negotiate, you know, who the numbers and the work people I had to really hold firm with of like, yeah, no, I want these brothers at my wedding. Like I, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Um, and then, you know, her again, kind of just revealing the truth of, you know, how painful sometimes it was for her to be around me when I kind of lost track of like, what was the plan and how was I going to get us there? You know, which we, we knew pretty um, early on from our relationship, we both wanted kids and that was on the table. And so that was somewhere we were going sooner than later. And, you know, part of me falling off purpose was kind of losing touch of how to get there and and like create something thriving and sustainable for our family. And, you know, we had some pretty difficult and challenging fights where she had to, you know, presence, how much it hurt to not know what I was doing or what my plan was, You know. for how I was getting those. So those were times I wasn't in my power, so to speak. Um, But then, you know, in my own way, the plan started to unveil itself. Uh, I definitely have had to get better in practice, um, revealing my plan before it's fully formed. I think this is one of my, you know, weaknesses that uh, I'm getting better at just like, Hey, here's what I'm thinking before it's like solid and totally dead um, or formed and like perfect. But long and short of it would be then, you know, I got some clarity about, okay, yeah, you know, I don't want to be just making the bills doing this work that totally drains me. Um I know I want to be creating art. I don't know how to, you know, support a family doing that yet. So what else can I start to do? And that's where, you know, I got very serious about diving even more into leadership and particularly men's work and men's growth and coaching and men's groups and all that. And a plan started to emerge and I went for that. That plan didn't quite work in terms of keeping enough financial stability and um, in the timeline that I had set. And so, you know, another area where I definitely, you know, we kind of got into it and we were talking about this when we were thinking of examples of like power was towards the end of my first year as a men's coach when I just wasn't really making it particularly well. Um, was serving really well, but just, you know, we live in an expensive city and it was getting tough. Um, I had formed a plan of, okay, I know after Christmas, I'm going to go out and get some part-time work to just bring in some stable money and kind of stop, stop my Titanic ship from sinking financially, so to speak, while everything I was doing kind of had time to bloom and and, and more um, organically kind of take (laughs) off And I was very clear about when I was going to do that, and she, she had some other ideas about when I should do that, <laughs> <laughs> which she, she can share.
2: I'm not the most patient person in the world, let's just put it that way. Um, I get so turned on when Jason talks about his ideas and plans, even just, here's what I'm thinking, like lights me up it makes me feel like, oh, he's thinking about something for us (laughs) or about the future. And that makes me feel really safe and relaxes my nervous system. So I, in the last year, he has directed a uh, a web series and has been editing a few other um, projects that he's done and has had a lot of passion for authentic relating things. And there's just so many things that he's created in the last year, which is really fun and really inspiring for me and and yeah there was a point where i just this is our theme is that i want it faster i want it now or yesterday and you know he has his plan so he had said you know i'm going to pick up some other work in in january of 2019 so that we can be on track for having a family and we had had a discussion in october about that and i was like why aren't you doing it now i didn't say it maybe quite like that but it wasn't very nice, probably the way I said it. And he was like, no, this is my plan in January. And he really stuck to that. He didn't say, Oh, you're right. You're right. You know, it's October. I shouldn't wait. Let me just do it now. So, and January, when he did start looking for, you know, just some part-time things to help supplement, like he said, while other things were blooming within a week, he had like four jobs. So it also is a good reminder to me that the masculine in general and Jason especially you know, when he says he's going to do something, he's absolutely going to do it. But it doesn't make sense or probably help anything for me to try to coax him to do it my way, because even if he did it my way on my timeline, maybe I wouldn't respect him as much. So I have deep respect for him following what works for him in his timeline.
1: Yeah, I like that, especially the, <laughs> it was funny when you said the word coax, I, I was like, or the word nag might also yes. work there. <laughs> Depending on whose whose verb we're using, but um, yeah, I really like that. Um, in in terms of that, you know, timeline that you just laid out, like this all happened over. I mean, like this was a long time. Like when you were in it, it was it was a lot that you guys went through and and kind of carried yourselves through. And like you said, Jason didn't do alone, right? Like you mm-hmm. were still going to your men's group, and Violet, you still had the support of your sisters and you did have a therapist that was good and helped you too. And so I kind of just want to point that out because again, the model that we're given, especially in the, in the West is you're, you're in your little house, the two of you alone, don't talk to anyone else about it. Maybe you talk to your dysfunctional family of origin and they say something dysfunctional, right? But you don't actually get quality help from people that know what they're talking about, like say an attachment therapist, who's like, okay, let's do an exercise around this. Let's talk about how you were raised. You know, like a lot of people's moms or dads aren't going to be able to do that. They're just not able to do that. So Mm. I just really appreciate that your story again and again comes to the tribe, that it wasn't just you two going it alone, but it was involving other people in your couple that actually helped you get to a place of power.
2: Definitely. And even other modalities, like I started taking a lot more S-factor and going to see, you know, our network doctor that you introduced us to, Dr. George. And I think we were both like seeking ways to become more healthy in the relationship, both independently and together. And I think that, uh, I think that helped. I mean, I didn't go to S-factor for Jason. I went for myself, but part of my motivation was that I knew he liked it when I was sexy and connected to my sexuality and, you know, dressing up for him sometimes at home and things like that. And so I think we were both wanting to bring our best to the relationship.
1: And S factor is a pole dancing class for those that are not familiar with it. So it's like, kind of like a conscious, more spiritual minded pole dancing. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, if I can just say one other thing too, you know, I'm I'm wondering, this is just an idea, but I'm wondering if it's common for couples to have more of like a, I, w- I don't want to say stage one, but more of a superficial level of polarity. And then the honeymoon phase ends and it's like, oh shit. And it's more like kind of stage two polarity where the woman maybe is a little more masculine, and the man is kind of being respectful, but maybe not like, totally in his power as much and then I feel like we've emerged we emerged from that into a much more full and embodied and healthy and you know nuanced expression of our feminine and masculine energy
1: I feel like that's true of a lot of the conscious couples I've seen and I think Mm -hmm. um, for those that aren't familiar with the stages that Violet's talking about it's um, we did a podcast episode about it. Actually, Violet, you and me did that podcast episode. Yeah. Um, and we're we're wrapping up. We're starting to get to time here, so we're not going to go into depth in it. But I, I do think it's worth listening to that. It's based on the work of David Data, but a lot of it has to do with, you know, feminine and masculine um, embodiment and the sort of like stereotypical like moving from the stereotypical masculine feminine that we're familiar with in Disney movies <laughs> into, um, second stage, which she mentioned, which is, can be like the woman's more in her masculine and the man is more in his feminine, um, which I think has been kind of carrying us through a couple decades now. Right. Like I'd say, you know, man, even since the eighties, I think it's been like, yeah, that's been, that's been an archetype, sort of like sensitive new age guy. And then the yeah. boss, bitch, lawyer, powerhouse woman who's, you know, rising in the ranks on the corporate ladder, but not necessarily able to soften in relationships. And so now it feels really like this is the time for third stage and third stage relationship is, um, at least from what I've seen, it's rarely like born that way right like it's like you have to go through mm-hmm. to get there it's not just like oh we're just having a third stage relationship now it's like we have to clear out all this old crap from,
0: <laughs> from <laughs>
2: the
1: past and from the collective to get to that point point.
2: and it's a practice I mean it's not like we're there always I mean if I don't do jade a- jade egg practices or if I don't connect to my body or my friends or other things then I can easily get Really, in my masculine, especially as a mom.
0: So, and I think that that ties right into you know one of the last things I'll I'll share that I think is really important for guys um, when it comes to you know being in our power, and that's and this is one I I still am you know in relationship with and negotiating and, and um having to work in my own life of I I can feel there's a direct correlation between when and how much I feel in my power and just how resourced I am. So if I'm like exhausted and not taking care of myself and not making time for the things that bring me nourishment and are um, deep acts of self-care and love and, and whatnot, it, where i 'm i 'm not really just resourced as a man, I think that's that 's a, a sense a lot of us men you know know of like oh, i 'm just exhausted i 'm burdened there 's so much to do i 'm worn out i 'm stressed it 's really hard for me to feel like i 'm totally in my power and like confidently lead from that place but when i 'm resourced when i 've gone on retreat with my men and hung out in the desert for a week or for me, you know, I just take myself to a movie and get away and go into the quiet or go hike or work out. Um, those are the times where I then come back and i'm just I'm just more here and it's it's just easier for me to you know kind of lead Violet and be in my power of you know here's here's i we're doing this tonight, <laughs> you know and in the loving way like this is what's what's going on or or I'm thinking about this or that, or how about we do this? Um, And yeah, I I can just very much feel and reflecting back on moments when I feel least connected to my power in relationship, it's almost always when I'm just like exhausted and haven't taken care of myself. And so I don't even have the resources or energy Mm -hmm. to kind of be with what I want and what I need and to kind of take more charge in our relationship.
1: Yeah, that's well said. I really like that. And I think it's significant. One thing that jumped out at me when you're at the beginning, when you said, I'm ready, meet me, is that you had done a lot of work. Like you had done so much work. You, you really did know about the things that helped nourish you. You really did have a sense of your body and your physical practices and your, you know, men's groups. Like you had been doing a lot of stuff up until that point. You weren't just like oh, hey, men's groups, like, what's that? Like, you have spent years on your journey already. So the things that you just mentioned, like, you know, that going into the desert with your men nourishes you. You know that this isn't something that you just figured out, you know, that getting away in a cold movie theater, and watching film, which is one of your passions, which you love by yourself, when no one's talking to you, and you can just really experience the movie, you know, you love that, you know, that fills you up. It's not like, you had to discover all this stuff that fills you up and have a relationship at the same time. Like you had done a lot of prep work to get yourself to that point so that you could, yeah. Recognize like, Oh, I'm not nourished right now. I'm not, I'm not resourced. I need to go do something to resource myself so that I can be a good leader for us.
0: Totally. And and feel in, in my power, you know, uh, power in some sense is just having energy, <laughs> being in alignment and having energy, you know, I would say, or, when those two things are happening, I like, I feel powerful, feel unstoppable. And, uh, I feel attractive. Certainly. I imagine it's attractive on the other end.
2: Totally. (laughs) 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 So, um, we're
1: going to start to wrap up here and I know that you guys are starting to work with couples or you have already started to work with couples. Can you um, share a little bit about that and what's going on with that?
2: Sure. Yeah. We have worked with couples one-on-one but we've decided to start working with couples in more of a group format and we're doing a free zoom call. I'm not exactly sure when this episode is going to air. So it may have passed by the time someone is listening to this, but if you go to violetlang.com forward slash couples, you can learn about what we're doing working with couples.
0: We'll have the replay up even if, um, It's already happened and just get a sense of kind of, you know, and this is born a lot out of our experiences, like we've been talking about, or, you know, what are the elements that when they're present and we're putting attention on them, um, add up to us thriving, uh, you know, in our coupledom and in our connection with each other. And so we're, you know, feeling pretty passionate about getting it out there that, you know, I, I think like a lot of those same movies kind of, um, paint the picture of, of just like, oh, you just fall in love and then you're done (laughs) versus like, no, actually it's a process. Like it's a creative process you have to engage with every day and, you know, real love. And in my mind, it's, it's something we have to choose and create and weave together. And so we're excited, you know, having kind of dissected our relationship of what has worked, if, okay, we think these are the elements that if they're all firing, um, you're going to have a passionate, connected couplehood.
2: Yes. And a relationship that generates, that gives you energy instead of depleting you.
1: Just men love. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, like a relationship that gives you energy instead of It's it's a
0: resource, right? That's the, I mean... I think that's what a lot of us deeply want, even if we don't have the name for it of like, oh, what if my relationship itself was a source of connection, energy, vitality, and just uh, peace? Even with the friction, there's like a, you know, there's a peace that comes from, okay, we're doing this together. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to do this all alone.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, like a lot of the guys that we coach, Jason, have, have come from relationships that were draining deeply draining in some cases, you know, physically, totally, <laughs> uh, and, uh, as well as emotionally. And so it's just such a, yeah, different paradigm to have it be. Um, yeah. What you're describing. So,
0: and a lot of times those guys, you know, will tell us that looking back they, they didn't feel in their power in that relationship. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, we're going to wrap here. Um, and again, if you're interested in that, it's violetlang. slash couples. Is that right?
2: Yes. Yep.
1: Okay. Great. Um, cool. And, um, and so I, I guess I just want to end this by saying thank you to the two of you, because I really believe that conscious couples are the future and that that's really how we're going to raise a generation of humans who comes into the world with healthy attachment instead of has to do 10 years of work. With <laughs> a attachment. Um, yep. So Yeah. Good for you um, for the two of you and for your daughter, but also for the world at large that you are forging the path and that you're doing this work and that you're just being who you are, because I think it really does make a difference as more and more conscious couples come online. That's really what changes the field.